Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Here's why today is special to me. We've been talking about forgiveness. And when we talk about forgiveness, you know, forgiveness, guys, is, is good to go through scriptures. It's good to read it from the Bible. But forgiveness really takes root when you can look at a person that you know has come through something and see that person has forgiven someone. If that person has forgiven someone, I can forgive someone. A real life example, something that, that you can take with you and not just think that it's someone that is so far out there that you can't reach or you can't touch. That's what we have today. I've asked Greta to put something together concerning something I know about her life where she had to forgive. And when she presented it to me, I looked at it and I said, wow. I knew right away she might need tissue. So I'm glad tissue's up there. Know that this is, this is, this is real. And I've asked her not to teach this or preach this. I said, sweetheart, I don't want you to misspeak a word. I don't want you to miss a point. I want you to read this to them. She asked me, do you think that's odd? I said, no, no, darling, trust me. Because after I read it, I know how I felt. And I don't want you to miss any of it. So I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here supporting her. I'm going to be here adding a few things in that she allowed me to put in. And whether or not I read them straight from where I inject, inject here or speak them, that's on me. But for you, I say I'm with you. God bless you. And thank you for your courage of being willing to share. Let's, let's talk about forgiveness. The session on forgiveness involves one being caught up in consequences one did not create. It's the story of me. It's about my life. And I share this with you for one reason. I believe it will help someone else forgive. I am the oldest of five children, three boys and two girls. We grew up together in a single parent household, just us and our mom. My siblings and I called her mommy, but here I would just call her mom. There are two fathers among my siblings and me. The first three of us, me and my two of my brothers, share the same dad. My mom was never a teen mom, but she never married while we were coming up. My life was one of being on government assistance and living in government houses, also known as the projects. Also growing up in my mom's house, meant you never wore the trendy clothes like the other kids, especially for me because my mom made most of my clothes. But still, life initially seemed okay. We were surrounded by family. My mom comes from a family of six siblings and everyone lived locally within five miles of each other. The anchor of the whole family was my grandmother. Her name was Eugenia. She was a strong, loving, God-fearing woman 
who always motivated us to keep God first, although we did not always follow her advice. My mom would always tell me that I was smart and beautiful. And I'm going to interject here. As she goes further into this, she's going to start saying some things concerning her mom, or the feelings concerning her mom, that will put her mom in a negative light. Know that her mom was and still is to this day a fabulous mother, a wonderful mother. It is just that Greta sees that now from the lens of hindsight. Now that she's older, now that she's a wife, she's a mother, she's become an adult, and she's able to, as we've been talking about, look down into the whole situation that her mom was coming through and to see what she did in coming through that situation, now she's able to look at her mom differently. So even though she's gonna be voicing things that seem negative, just know that she's come out to the other side. My mom would always tell me I was smart and beautiful. She always lifted my confidence and self-esteem. She was my biggest cheerleader. However, her positive words did not halt the identity crisis that began to develop as I interfaced more and more with the outside world. The truth is, I didn't know we were poor until sometime during my elementary school years. However, as I got older and became exposed to more society, labels and stereotypes began to be attached to me because I came from a low-income single-parent household. People would say things like, where's your daddy? Why is he never around? Do you even know your daddy? Your mama having another baby? You live in the project, so you'll probably end up with a baby too. Unfortunately for me, I began to accept those negative words and stereotypes that society placed on me. That acceptance caused me to question inside, why me? I did not know I was posing that question to anyone, but later I learned I was really directing that question to God. And the question of why me came in many forms. Why is there always some kind of struggle? Why do things never seem to be getting better? Why is this my life? I did not realize it at the time, but I had begun developing layers of resentment, which ultimately led to unforgiveness against God and my mom. Of course, since I could not physically grapple with God like Jacob did, I took my feelings out on a person I could see, my mom. I began to rebel against my mom but to understand why you need to hear more of my history, more about the story of me. You see, my mom depended on me quite a bit. And by the age of 10, I was basically an extension of her. I could grocery shop for the entire family, do the household laundry, you name it. It involved taking care of, <laughs> it involved taking care of any household business outside of the home. I was taught to do it, if it involved anything, basically. I, could al I would also care for and babysit my siblings if needed. And to make matters worse, we did not have a car. So all of our rides were through a process of having to ask for rides. Even to this day, my mom has still never possessed a driver's license or owned a car. I hated asking for rides. I felt so helpless and vulnerable. People are not always compassionate or polite. I remember asking people for rides to go do something important for the family, 
and having to sit through interrogations. Where you got to go? What time? How long is it going to take? Can someone else take you? Can you wait till later? Can I take you on Thursday? And today is Monday. I started to resent my mom and the decisions she had made in her life when it came to us. You know, I want to inject here. If you don't mind, turn to Genesis 3, the Message Bible. You know, in case you haven't picked up on it, Greta is having to live in a reality that she did not create. It was a reality created for her. This account in Genesis 3 is the account of Adam and Eve eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We've used this example before to talk about how we can look at a person's life at the time and figure out a way to humanize them instead of demonize them. But today we're going to look at the other side of that equation. And that other side is when a person has to live in a life presented to them based on consequences they never created. Genesis 3, Message Bible, starting in verse 1. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, do, you, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you will see what's really going on. You will be just like God, knowing everything ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw the tree look like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate. Immediately, the two of them did see what was really going on, saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you gave me as a companion, she gave me fruit of the tree and yes, I ate it. The woman, God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The serpent seduced me, she said, and I ate. Honestly, we can do our best to understand all the reasons why Adam and Eve did what they did. We can conceive that, you know what, that serpent is somebody, quote unquote, somebody they had known all their life. The serpent had never tricked them before. They had no reason to distrust that serpent. They had no reason to even think the serpent would have ill will towards them. But no matter how much we investigate that circumstance and that situation, the bottom line is this. The actions that Adam and Eve took have a ripple effect on all generations to follow. No amount of rationalization on their actions changes that. 14. God told the serpent, because you've done this, your curse, say consequences. 
Cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals. Cursed to slink on your belly and eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head. You will wound his heel. He told the woman, I'll multiply your pains in childbirth. You will give birth to your babies in pain. Say consequences. You will want to please your husband, but he'll lord over you. He told the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, don't eat, of, don't eat from this tree. The very ground is cursed because of you. Say consequences. consequences. Getting food from the ground will be as painful as having babies is for your wife. You will be working in pain all your life long. The ground will sprout thorns and weeds. You will get your food the hard way, planting and tilling and harvesting, sweating in the fields from dawn to dusk until you return to that ground yourself, dead and buried. You started out as dirt. You will end up as dirt. The, the actions of Adam and Eve resulted in outcomes that had a ripple effect through time to all following generations of people. In other words, future generations are now caught up in consequences they did not create. That is the story Greta is describing to you. She is growing up amid consequences she did not create for herself. She did not create them, but most definitely the reality is she is caught up in them. Sadly, her view of life as she knew it began to spin a web of unforgiveness down deep inside her heart. Once again, I started to resent my mom and the decision she had made in her life when it came to us. I didn't realize I was judging my mom based on what society and culture deemed right. I just knew I wanted, wanted life situations and circumstances to be different. Compound that with my mom being strict. As I got older and wanted to go places, I got to go to very few. I was not allowed to participate in school activities at the same level as my friends, partly because my mom needed me at home. Another reason, of course, being the no-car situation. As just for hanging out with my friends, no. Mom wasn't having that. I think in the back of her mind, she did not want me to become a teen mom. Several of my teen friends were already pregnant, and my mom saw that as not a preferred future for me. Was she right? Would I have had a child at 14 or 15? I know I was determined not to fall into the cycle of being a child with the kid. But the truth of the matter is, I do not know. With all the social pressure to have a boyfriend, it was more than just a slight possibility. But as a child, I am not thinking that way. I just know I cannot go out with my friends. So the next day at school or wherever, they're all talking about the things, and I have to live through their stories because I was not there. By the time I turned 16, I can remember, remember my mom saying, what happened to my sweet daughter it's like someone else is living on the inside of you. She was right. There was someone else living on the inside of me, and his name was unforgiveness, and fueled by a constant diet of resentment 
It was growing fast and putting down deep roots. I didn't feel right inside. I was always angry and miserable. I went to church and knew of God, but I had no true relationship with him. I found myself questioning over and over again that, that if this God is the God of such goodness, then why is my life like this? You see, I asked that question so much because everything seemed to be a challenge, everything. Deep down, I knew it had to be more to life, and that's what I held on to, but more in the sense of wanting to escape my life. I wanted to escape government assistance. I wanted to escape the projects. I wanted to escape not having any money. I wanted to escape having to beg for a ride. I wanted to just get out, run away. I did not know to where. I did not know how. I just knew I wanted to escape. My mindset has always been different from the environment I came from. And now I know that is what sustained me. It just didn't come out in positive behavior because the fight with life was all I knew. Winning the fight became both my motivator and defense against not doing something to better myself because my goal was to escape. Over the years, since developing a relationship with God, I began to realize the depth of my unforgiveness towards my mom and God. I had issues because all of all the hardships I had as a child, I felt as though I had no childhood. I had to take on the responsibility of being the second mom with all of the responsibilities given to me. As my relationship continued to develop with God, I came to the discovery that I was distant from my mom and God. Unforgiveness had formed a wall that only allowed my affections to go so far. I was not engaged fully with either of them because I was holding them both accountable for my unpleasant childhood. I was a grown woman, but still a little girl, broken girl inside. As God continued to love on me, he taught me how to humanize my mom. He walked me through her life and turned her negative image into a positive one for me. Know that because Greta and I have been together for so long, being high school sweethearts, and even knowing of each other, even in elementary school and middle school years, I've virtually known her mom all my life. I've been more of a, you can call me that son-in-law to her than I've been alive just being myself because I've been with Greta for just so long. So I have lived through that picture of Greta with that teen and adult anger and hatred and upsetness about her whole life and hearing the stories and I've always done my my best to try to help her work through that. Realizing that I had never lived through that. My family life wasn't that way. But I could see the effect that it had on her on a daily. And how sometimes she would just have those moments where even though she was no longer living at home with her mom, something would happen and she'd just disappear back into that same space that space of pain and anger and unforgiveness and resentment. I did my best to help her to see the mom I could see from the outside. 
although I never lived in it, because I was an outsider, I got the opportunity to view the qualities from a totally new perspective. And let me tell you, Grether's mom is a fantastic woman. A woman that was dealt cards that many of us don't want to have, yes. A woman that probably made mistakes and put herself in a position she wished she never did, yes. But a wonderful woman nonetheless. And having the opportunity to share those things with Greta meant the world to me. And I like to think I had a part to play in getting her to that place to where she could look at her mom through the lens of forgiveness. One of the scriptures that always, always strikes me about Greta's mom is Proverbs 31. Please go to Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10 in the Message Bible. And working through the way she felt from her upbringing, I would look at this Proverbs 31 and I just knew in my heart it was mom. The Message Bible, verse 10 says, A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has a reason to regret it. Never spiteful, he tr she treats him generously all her life long. Now, this passage talks about, you know, the, the, the wife role. And Greta's mom, throughout those years, she, she never married. But this Proverbs 31 is not limited to a wife. It's talking about the qualities of a woman. The qualities of a woman that makes her who she is. The qualities of a woman that gives her the strength she needs to get through every day and to make every day better than the previous day. It's not about a wife or being single. It applies both ways. It has nothing to do with being young or mature. Whether you were raised in the suburbs or in the hood, it's indifferent to your race or ethnicity. It's about the qualities of a woman. And Greta, I even tell you that today. This is mom. This is mom. It talks about a woman who loves every day, loves the people around her, and presses through to make the most out of every day. That's her. Picking up at verse 13. She shops around for the best yarns and cartons and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trade ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it, then with the money she puts then with the money she's put aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning she's dressed up for she's dressed for work, rolls up her sleeves eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need, reaches out to help the poor. 
She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothes, clothing, and dresses in full and colorful linens and, and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates in the city with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well-made and elegant. She always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you've outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. Festoon her life with praises. So from the outside looking in, from the outside looking in, this is one of the images I have of mom. Just to go through Proverbs 31 and to go through it with all of you, here are some of the things that I pick out. The mom I saw and still see today, Greta is a good woman. She's trustworthy. By the way, for all of you all, she is a self-taught seamstress. She's skilled in her craft. She designs clothes and gowns for clients across all social levels. The mom I saw was up before dawn for her family, stayed up late for her family, in no hurry to call it quits for the day, and quick to assist anyone in need. That's the woman whose house I walked into. Mom possesses an infectious smile, speaks with wisdom and kindness, keeps her eye on everyone in her household, is loved, respected, and blessed by her children, whether she birthed them or not. Many women do wonderful things, but a woman like mom outclasses them all. We must give her the honor she deserved and that she still deserves. Those were my sentiments to Greta. The perspective of the woman I got to see from the outside. I want to add in an interesting side note, though. You know, Greta's mom, her family, they had a local church. They had a local church, but Greta's mom did not attend. Even though she did send the children to church with the grandmother. But that doesn't mean that she did not read her Bible or have strong faith. Even to this day, if you were to ask Greta's, Greta's mom how she was able to get through what she got through, she would tell you that the only way she got through was with God. She would say, God brought me through. And she even grew up in a godly home. But here's what I want you all to know. She grew up in a godly home, but attending church services 
is not something that was pleasant to her. Because attending those church services was supposed to be a place where people embraced you and not judged you. So she chose to stay away. She chose to stay home and keep her relationship with God instead of go to a judgmental church and lose it. So people on the outside, people that would see, here you have this single mom having children, single mom in the projects, single mom on government assistance, single mom, no money, and a lot of the places that she would usually go to help build up her self-esteem, like the church, was full of judgmental people. A woman who was God-fearing, a woman who read her Bible and had the love of God in her heart, had to make the painful decision, even on top of if she had to go, having to ask for a ride, <laughs> that instead of going to sit in a place called church where people will judge me instead of love me. I'd rather stay away and keep my relationship with God instead of sit in that kind of congregation and lose it. That's, that's the mom. I came to the realization that God loves me. He showed me that all of my experiences have made me the person I am and that, the, and that my experiences are a tree under which other women will find shade and relief. He said, never forget, Jeremiah 29 and 11, the King James Version says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That same verse in the Message Bible reads, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. I had mentioned that my mom never married while we were coming up. In fact, she got married for the first time at the age of 69, but not to any of our fathers, which brings me to the topic of unforgiveness against my dad. Just because my mom was a single parent, I knew who my father was. In my early years, he was in and out of my life. We didn't live in the same town, but he was within an hour's drive so he could still come to see us. By the time I was in elementary school, the visits from my dad had ceased. Over the years, we would occasionally hear from him. By the time I reached high school, I didn't care anymore. I had become so jaded from him supposedly coming but never showing up until I didn't trust anything he said. Fast forward many years later, after I became an adult and was on my own, trying to live this God's life, every now and then we would touch base, and that meant me driving to him and stopping in to say hello. My two brothers would also go to see him also. He never made the effort to see us. But even though I hugged him, even though I smiled at him, Inside, I had written him off. I was going through the motions, but unforgiveness was king. And that king had put my dad in a deep emotional dungeon. 
the Bible states we should be quick to forgive. In Colossians 3, verse 13, the message version reads, Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. You know, that scripture says we should forgive. And the Bible has many other places that it says we should forgive. But family, if you've never had a deep-seated contempt in your heart for somebody, you don't really realize, realize how hard it is to let go of hate and to allow a place to develop in your heart for caring. If you've never had that disdain, that, that injury caused by someone to where forget about talking to them, you can't even look at them in their face without thinking thoughts that you know you shouldn't think. Yes, the Bible tells us to forgive, but if you've never experienced that, you have no idea how hard it is to let that go. With the Bible saying that we need to forgive, I want you to also look at the very next verse in Colossians 3, verse 14, where the Bible is going to tell us that we should never be without love. Verse 14 reads this way. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. Your, it's your basic all-purpose garment. Never, ever be without it. And Greta, let me go back to 13. Because I want to read those together. Verse 13 begins, it says... Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. How can that forgiveness happen? Verse 14. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Love is the garment that God expects us to wear every single day. We wear it to bed. We wear it when we get up. We wear it in our walking around everyday, ordinary life. Love is what we should be wearing. But when unforgiveness has taken root, family love can have a challenge in working with that. That scripture speaks to love being our garment for every occasion that we should never be without. Well, as it related to my dad, I wore a garment, but it was not love. It was more like the attire and executioner would wear. Fast forward some more years and my dad became ill. He had a stroke. He could not walk or care for himself. He was in bad shape. He was living in another city and there was no one willing to take care of him. Here's where it gets interesting. Guess who stepped in and took care of him? Yes, me, my brothers and my mom. But to be completely honest, many thoughts tried to creep into my mind from my unforgiving heart. Why should I step in? 
He was never there for me. Maybe he deserves this. Let his friends he spent so much time with help him now. They were obviously more important than us all these years. Why should I care if he gets better? I was never important enough to be on his agenda. Why should his health issues become my problem? My family and I stepped up to the plate, but I struggled with why not just let him get what he deserves. I know my brothers had similar thoughts, but, but this is my story, so. And, and when you talk about <laughs> you struggled, <laughs> I witnessed that struggle. I witnessed that struggle and I was a fly on the wall in some of the, the talks and the self-talk and the struggles that I saw were struggles like, Greta, I saw you struggle with whether or not you should turn away from your dad who was never there or should you turn towards God that you're trying to love. The struggle of, do you simply let your dad's condition run its course? Or do you step into the situation and allow God to work through you? It was a real, tangible struggle I could see. I could see it on your face. I could see it in your mannerisms. Every time you got in the car to go and check on him, you were going through the motions but at the same time, that place in your heart that had been barricaded off, I could see you were most mustering up everything you had to go and help a man that you felt in your heart. You had no reason for him to even ask you to do anything for him, especially not this. Mind you, my dad has more children than just my brothers and I. He has seven children in total. You see, my dad was married twice and had children from both of those relationships. But it ended up being the children who came from my mom that ended up helping him. Anyway, guess who had to grow up and forgive? Me. I know only God was responsible for my heart change. The good thing is God had already worked on my heart concerning my mother which gave him a crack in my armored heart concerning my father. Plus, I think having to take care of my dad when he could not care for himself helped me to see my dad as human, as a human who needed help instead of a villain in my life. I was able to demonstrate the true love of God, and we were able to change his situation and circumstances. He recovered wonderfully from the stroke and now is back on his own. Although we still need to check on him from time to time, I can truly say I have forgiven him. I also realized I was upset with God about why I couldn't have what I considered a normal family life with a mom and dad under the same roof. Why did I have parents which had what I deemed selfish tendencies? In my mind, they should have done a better job with me because they brought me into this world. I didn't ask to be here. I went through all this background to say this. I collected a lot of negative feelings as I grew up, feelings that led to a large wall of unforgiveness, especially against God. But when I look back over my life, 
I could see my experiences working as a development in me. Now going forward, I just know, regardless of what it looks like, I just trust God. That is why my favorite scripture reference is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, King James Version. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I had to come to the realization that God is God. In him, I found my true identity and in him I trust. I was limiting God based on what I considered my cross to bear, when in reality, those experiences helped shape me into being the person I am. I am strong in God. I am wise in him. I am beautiful to him. I am kind. I am trustworthy. I am educated. I am a wonderful wife. I am a loving mother and grandmother. And the list goes on and on because I love me. I was able to release all the labels that were given to me by others because I learned they didn't line up with who God says I am. But I would not have been able to hear God concerning my mom, my dad, or even God himself if the unforgiveness had not been eliminated. These messages on forgiveness remind me to always truly release any wrong thinking that comes my way concerning God and others. Today, I hold nothing against my parents. I now believe that they did the best they could with what they knew at the time. I let go of all the negativity and embrace my past as their attempt to love me. In addition, I can honestly say I hold nothing against God in my heart. I know God always has a good end in mind for me. So whether through laughter or tears, sunshine or rain, happiness or sadness, joy or pain, I just continue to trust him and refuse to allow the seed of unforgiveness to take root. And you've made it through. I am so proud of you. What she's just shared is a picture, a picture of, I'm just going to say two basic things. It's a picture of how unforgiveness can develop in the heart of a person based on consequences created by those who came before that person. It is also a picture of how God can lead that person to forgiveness if that person has ears to hear and a heart to receive. Of course, what she shared and what you shared, I know, is only part of a much bigger story. But as she mentioned before, the whole reason for her being willing to share this story is that in her heart of hearts, the main objective is that somehow what she shared would allow someone else to walk down that path to forgiveness successfully. When I think about what she's mentioned to us, we have to now put that same thought process and mindset on each and every one of us. Her story may not be your story, 
But everybody has a story. Yes. Everybody has a story of either having to live in a situation or a circumstance that they didn't create or having to live in a circumstance or a situation they despise and putting up that wall of unforgiveness against God. God, why is, is it like this? Why are you allowing this to be the case? Or putting up that hatred and resentment banner against someone else. Why have you done this to me? Why do you think it's okay? What even makes you feel as if I deserve this? Prayerfully, as we go through these sessions in unforgiveness, each and every one of us develops that crack in that armored heart to allow the love of God to get in and allow forgiveness to grow. That being said, I think the only other thing for me to tell you is that Greta and I love you so very, very much. We thank you for coming here and ministering to us with us today, and we'll catch you next time. Amen. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.